Chapter Twenty Four of House, Garden, and Field by L. C. Meal. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Silverfishes. Some people have in their kitchens and pantries great numbers of silverfishes. They shelter by day in chinks and recesses like cockroaches or crickets, but when all is dark and quiet, they come out to feed. In factories and shops, especially where grain, crumbs, sugar, or other vegetable food is to be procured, silver fishes sometimes abound, and when the shutters are opened of a morning, hordes of these insects, large and small, may be seen fleeing from the light, or as I rather think, from the sound of footsteps. In a perfectly still place they may sometimes be seen to feed tranquilly in a pretty good light. The full-grown silverfish is only one-third of an inch long, so that they must be reckoned among the smaller insects. The body resembles in shape half of a carrot which has been sliced from end to end along its middle line. The thick end is towards the head. The thorax, which bears six rather long legs, is of nearly uniform width, and the abdomen steadily tapers backwards. From the small head stand off two long, many-jointed antennae, and the hinder end bears three tails, each of many joints. Two black eye clusters appear on the sides of the head when it is examined with a lens. The legs are flattened at the base like those of a cockroach, and are thus fitted for creeping into narrow spaces. On the underside of the abdomen are two pairs of minute jointed prominences, which spring from the last segment but one and the last but two. The shape of this little insect, its gleaming white color, and the shining scales which it leaves on the fingers when captured, no doubt suggested the name of silverfish. Similar names are used both in France and Germany, poisson d'argent, silverfishkin. The eggs are laid in crannies and produce small larvae very like the parent except in size. The tails of the larvae are comparatively short, and the two pairs of prominences beneath the abdomen are as yet undeveloped. Until its first molt, the larva has on the top of its head a tooth, which was used to break through the eggshell. Earwigs, fleas, and other insects, besides some centipedes, have a tooth or spine on the top of the head for breaking the eggshell. A similar contrivance is found on the tip of the snout in reptiles, birds, and egg-laying mammals. Silverfishes never acquire wings nor pass through a resting stage, though they change the skin several times. From the first they are very like their parents, and after the first molt, which takes place seven days after hatching, they differ in no important respect. Another small insect very like a silverfish may often be found in fields and gardens by a close observer. This is called Campodia. It is still smaller than the silverfish, never exceeding one quarter of an inch in length, and has a white skin. It is so delicate that it cannot be picked up without injury, and it dies as soon as it is placed in a tube or bottle. Campodia has only two tails, the middle one being absent. Like a silverfish, it goes through no transformation. A third creature of the same order, Thysonura, lurks about baker's ovens, while a fourth is sometimes very plentiful on rocks near the sea. Many carnivorous beetle larvae are strikingly similar to a silverfish or a campodia, having a slender body, long legs, long antennae, and two or three tails. Such larvae occur more or less frequently in all the lower orders of insects, and may be said to be the ordinary larvae of these groups. The silverfishes are believed by naturalists to resemble the most ancient of all insects, for there is reason to believe that the first insects which ever appeared on the earth had a simple life history and never possessed wings at all, resembling in these respects such arthropods as centipedes and millipedes. 
When wings were first acquired by insects, they were probably developed rather late in life, and not all at once, but by degrees, growing larger and larger at each molt, as they still do in some insects. The acquisition of wings rendered activity in the early or larval stage less necessary, for the winged parent could now lay her eggs more easily in places where food of the right sort was plentiful. Then the larva in many cases became soft-bodied and short-legged, or even lost its legs altogether. The fly and the larva came in the more specialized insects to differ so greatly from one another that the body had to become completely recast when the larva changed to a fly. A resting stage thus became necessary, especially where the fly had come to adopt a different mode of feeding. The resting or pupal stage is no doubt the last acquired of the stages of an ordinary insect's life history. The events which I have related, and the steps by which insect transformation was at length attained, may seem to you difficult of proof. Unfortunately, I cannot lay before you the whole of the evidence, but I can mention one fact that will help to persuade you of the substantial truth of the explanation just given. Among existing insects, all the steps by which complete transformation is supposed to have been attained can still be found. It will make this more evident to set down in a table the life histories of five different sorts of insects. Silverfishes, etc. Campodia larva, the only stage in the life history. Cricket, mayfly, etc. Campodia larva, wings acquired gradually. Many carnivorous beetles. Campodia larva, resting stage, pupa, wings revealed suddenly. Oil beetle. Campodia larva, short-legged larva, resting stage, pupa, Wings revealed suddenly. Higher insects. Short-legged larva. Resting stage. Pupa. Wings revealed suddenly. It gives one matter for reflection to know, as we do, that the cockroach of our kitchens has existed with little change since the time when our coal fields were laid down, and that the silverfishes are still more ancient and more primitive. End of chapter 24